Welcome, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built. And we are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by a man who will never get tired of hating OU, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? You know, it's uh, 849. PM. OU still sucks. Um, as we've watched other rivals leave and be, be crazy and wild and other people find out how weird Aggies are and multitudes of other teams have, have focused in and made us their rivals, there's almost like a begrudging respect that falls over the rivalry with Oklahoma. You know, at least the only two Big 12 teams to ever win a national championship were on a different pedestal than other people. You can talk yourself into a sort of camaraderie or at least a a respect of equals. But not this week, folks. This week is about good, old-fashioned, pure, unadulterated, just 100% raw, uncut hatred. This is Red River, insert your your closing uh, word here, rivalry, shootout, showdown, whatever. This is the Red River week. It is Texas OU in that order. It is a big week. It always will be a big week. And it doesn't matter if we both are winless or we both are undefeated. I want to win this game so badly every year. Historically, Texas has done it more often than not. Lately, hasn't been the case. OU sucks, always will suck. And, and, and you know, we should never think too highly upon them that we can't just bring the hate for a good solid week every single day 24 hours a day until kickoff at 11 a.m on saturday even when they don't suck they suck like even like it's like my morning coffee my 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 hatred for these guys and they're in the and let's put the caveat on there are good sooners right but ou as a concept sucks like our friend Kamiar from crimson and cream machine all the jay larry over there all the like they're good sooners right but ou as a concept right sucks and that's part of what we're going to talk about is how much we hate these guys and how much let's just be honest we wish the worst on them like that is part of uh how my ethos my my best college football days are the days when ou loses and, and texas wins which hasn't happened a ton but it's could be uh, on Saturday on on these Red River rivalry shootout showdown Saturdays. Uh, Texas can guarantee that for me by taking care of business. The 118th meeting betwixt these two teams next year will make OU Texas's most played opponent since Aggie took a few years off ducking us in the SEC. The hundredth of these have taken place at a neutral site meeting in Dallas. So. We don't quite know what we're going to get from the Sooners. Um, we don't know yet. We haven't heard from Brenton Venables. He's going to address the media again on Thursday. When you're listening to this, you may know more than we do. Uh, but Dylan Gabriel was knocked out of the previous game with a concussion. Wasn't a dirty. It was a 
dirty hit from a not dirty player. We'll go ahead and say it like it was just not a good hit. He was sliding. Player went to kind of dive dive at him and, and made helmet to helmet contact. He was very clearly out on the field for a moment. Uh, he's been throwing in practice, but we don't know or have any word of if he's been participating in team drills or going full team or whatever that may be. Uh, if he is not able to go, Davis Bevel was the guy who came in. He was a walk-on, a 6'6", three-star recruit who transferred in from Pitt. He didn't play much at Pitt. General Booty is the last, uh, the other guy on the roster. And then you have a Texan who uh, was committed to Florida and then didn't end up going there with coaching chain. Florida, yeah. Was committed to Florida, didn't end up going there because of the coaching change in Nick Evers uh, rounding out that depth chart. We don't quite know who they are. And I'm going to say this, and this may be controversial, Kyle. Uh, I want Dylan Gabriel to be healthy, right? I want him to be healthy um, for the other games. I, I, I want for the overall health of his, his body. He's gone through some injury troubles. Like, I want Dylan Gabriel to be healthy. But I'm also the kind of person that if Texas has an advantage here and it just happens to be that Dylan Gabriel has to sit out this Saturday, I'm not going to be upset about it. Records don't matter in this game. There have been years when Texas was deplorable and came in and gave OU everything they could handle. Um, historically, when both these teams aren't ranked, so use that to say aren't good by the standards of these two teams, Texas wins those games. But again, nothing matters in the history and the weeks leading up to, honestly, in the weeks after you will have stars rise up from nowhere and sometimes fall back down who don't really do anything else. You will have players who will, will become legends at their respective school during this game. Next man up is a thing in this game. Um, truly, every player can go out and do something out of their skull. So I, whether it's Gabriel, whether it's... I mean, General Booty is there for the lulls, but man, if you get crapped upon by general booty i mean just the 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 internet will never forgive but yeah like i almost want gabriel because i would like them at full health but i also like i don't really care who is the quarterback i don't care who plays uh they're gonna play well against texas better than they have all year i just know it that that will be true um bevel didn't look great in his time um it, it did sound like dylan gabriel was taking some throws this week um i think he's he's you know quote unquote fine is concussion after two attack with Loa, you don't really want to like push that. So I wonder if that factors into it this particular year versus others. Um I, I think it's likely that we could see him, but obviously, you know, have to pass all the concussion protocol tests and they are taking that more seriously in, in football right now than they probably have maybe ever, um, but but certainly in a while. So um that said I, I really don't know if it's Bevel. Um Lebby was saying, you know, he, he feels confident he didn't make all the plays, but that he, he he's a ready to go guy bought in, you know, knows the playbook can 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 get there. And, and you have to assume they will have something if he's the guy uh, for him to play better than he did in the in the brief time he came in um, at TCU. I mean, the kid was a three star recruit who transferred from Pitt only through 32 career passes at Pitt. Um, General Booty, though he's a hundred out of a hundred name, I think is zero out of zero as a passer. Uh, so it's 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 a, it's an unusual situation, especially when you think about the stat from uh, every, every like Longhorns one sooner they feel okay laughing at Eddie Ratto. Um, he reported that uh, Trevor Knight was the last time that an <coughs> OU quarterback missed starting quarterback missed a game, and that was in 2014, which. I can't believe that stat, especially given the luck Texas has had. Um, but it helps explain how one of these teams has had a lot more success lately, right? You have luck and health at that position. It, it goes a long way. 
I mean, yeah, especially when you've got a Heisman caliber uh, players at, at quarterback like you've got, uh, like you've had at OU. You've got, uh, obviously, um, Kyler Murray, the, the Lilliputian that could, and you've got uh, Baker Mayfield, the, the beard with attitude. Um, when you've got those guys who are able to stay healthy and put up those big numbers in that offense, like, it does a lot for you. And again, people are going to probably skewer me for this, but I don't care. There are people that like to play teams when they're at their best, and there are people that like to win football games, and I like to win football mm. games. And I've said that before, and I'll say it again. Like, would it be great to beat OU at full strength? And they'll, if OU doesn't have Dylan Gabriel, they don't have um, the defensive back that's injured. Like, there's always that asterisk but you know what nobody's gonna remember that asterisk in two or three years well oh you fans probably will but like it doesn't matter right when texas is winning games that it should and trying to build and they're able to sell direction of the program as they head into the sec none of that matters right they won the game because texas was won a couple of games with their backup quarterback too so like it's mm-hmm. you got to play the hand that you're dealt that's where we're sitting um whoever is the quarterback they'll have a a, a smattering, we'll go ahead and mm-hmm. say, of uh, targets to choose from. Marvin Mims is the, the lead guy. 22 receptions, 438 yards, and three touchdowns. Theo Weiss, a guy who is a, a, a ton of hype, a ton of talent, um, and I, he's poised for a breakout. So those seem to always happen. There was that one guy who kind of makes his arrival on the scene um, in this game last year. Xavier Worthy kind of had a massive national breakout. Uh, but Weiss has 11 receptions, 195 yards, two touchdowns. And, of course, OU's got a tight end that's scoring as well. Uh, Braden Willis, 13 receptions, 185 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, so there's a, there are options, right? Um, not as spread it around the yard as they've been in the past, especially under, um, you know, Jeff, Jeff Levy's not going to do it quite like Lincoln Riley, but from an explosiveness standpoint, like OU is scoring like an average of 1.6 points per successful pass, which is a big number. So like they're able to get it done through the air, whether or not they have all the targets that they usually do. Yeah. And, and, and it's so early in this season, like you, you think about, Oh, you played a relatively weak non-con, right? And then has, has lost two conference games. Um, but you can look at that Kansas State game, even though there were some things we'll talk about on the defensive side. Um, with D- Dylan Gabriel, they are not a they are not a flat offense. They're not bad. Gabriel has a little explosiveness, uh, deceptively fast, right? Uh, a little bit of grit in his game. Uh, his deep ball is not, you know, Kyler Murray's deep ball. It it it's it's just has a different trajectory. That's that's. Not great, I don't think, but um, he's a good quarterback and can do some good things. And that offense is uh, has, like Gerald said, a, a dynamic potential to it. Um, I, I exactly like what Gerald said. Fear Marvin Mims and just his ability. And you saw, you know, in last year's game, shoelaces, inbounds, uh, catches, and in, and and Theo Weiss just feels like that guy, like Gerald said, who can come out of nowhere and be the next CD Lamb, like he has. 190 yards receiving in this one and all of a sudden everyone's talking about him um i hope not uh he's only got 195 in the season but i mean th- there is talent doubling his production I, I mean would it would it be crazy right like would, would that be crazy right in knowing uh texas's defense the past couple of years and and ou's you know ability to pull uh shenanigans um so yeah i think i think they have brayton willis is a, is a good tight end like a very good tight end um ou has a history of those uh, te- shocker OU has a good tight yeah end. texas is new to that party we we have a good tight end as well um finally but uh they always have one and brayden willis is no no exception um i do think they'll throw to their running backs it's just going to be part of the game um and, and you know it feels like they have a bunch of guys who could have 
four catches for, for 46 yards. Um, but I don't know besides Mims and Weiss, and again, I'm sure I'll be wrong in this, uh, that there is the one who's who's going to break us if it's not those. But Marvin Mims is as talented a receiver in the con- as, as there is in the country, right? Like I think you can take your Xavier Worthy and your Jordan Addison and you can sprinkle in two or three or four other guys, and that's probably – probably as far as you can get down any credible list that before you get to Marvin Mims and some might argue he's higher than that he does have you know first round draft pick type talent um Texas has had good luck with their cornerbacks we, we talked in our, our recap about how good Jameson has been just how good and if, if you listen to this and not that I'll, I'll give you a little teaser uh from that Jameson has been elite he is the only Big 12 corner with at least 19 targets that allowed less than 100 receiving yards through five games. He's given up 79, only six of those after the catch. So um, maybe the the not giving up big yards after the catch, uh, also one of the best tackling cornerbacks in the Big 12 per pro football focus has been Watts on the other side. So limiting those guys after the catch will be big. But again, shutting down Marvin Mims is, is really, really, really difficult. Um that might be a big storyline in how Texas defense fares in this one. Hopefully. One, Texas has been tackling better than they have in recent years. Uh, And they've been doing, for better or for worse, a better job of keeping folks in front of them. And that's been an issue for defenses, period. But but especially against OU, letting people get behind you uh, has been an issue for Texas defensively. And so I think that is absolutely something to be to keep an eye on. I think on the ground, OU has been successful on the ground. Eric Gray has turned into, we thought he would be, but Eric Gray's turned into a really, really good running back. 66 carries, 640 yards, and three touchdowns, uh, tagging in there 12 receptions for 92 yards. And, you know, part of that is this this uh, offense that Jeff Levy runs. They like, it. it is not the air raid. It is not... Lebby is a guy who fell off the Bryles tree and, you know, maybe he didn't hit the ground as hard as I would like, but that's another conversation for another day. Um, but they're, they're getting it done on the ground. It's, it's very much a uh, run to pass offense. The offensive line um, is playing better than they did a year ago. 13% stuff rate, which is really good. Three and a half line yards per rush. Again, you do have to look at some of the teams that they've played. Uh, Kent State, Nebraska, and UTEP barely have a pulse at this point. Um, and saying barely feels like maybe even a bridge too far. So some of that is obviously padded against some of the better teams. Um, in Texas, for all of the complaints we've had about the interior and the, the run and the lack of edge setting at times, has been solid, especially you know defensively. I think this is strength on strength. And look, you know a Lincoln-Riley team, as much as their quarterbacks get the shine, the, the, the dreaded GT counter and just kind of uh, gash run plays against Texas come to mind, right? Like big up-the-middle run plays. Texas has quite a few of those in this uh, history of this rivalry as well. Um, but, you know, you think historically that, that kind of stunts against our offensive line and, and GT counters against our defensive line, which everyone saw coming, everyone talked about on their preview podcast, and apparently the Texas coaching staffs of yore didn't listen. But this year seems different, admittedly. Um, a, Riley's gone. Um, the, the line, good, not great. Um, the... Uh, Running backs, good. I think very good. Even Javante Barnes was probably the lone bright spot in that TCU game. He, he's a freshman kid who looks like he's 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 going to be a you know a menace for some years to come. But uh, I, I think it's going to Eric Gray's going to get the majority of them. And again, 
if Texas can take the show on the road like we talked about and and play the run defense they played all year, but especially at home, if they can set the edge like they did at home, if Overshone can have those uh, those run fills like he 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 did, you know, they they called it out in the broadcast uh, as being perfect uh, in the West Virginia game, and that's you know against a really good running attack last week. Then I think. Look, if it's if it's a, a, a nicked up Gabriel, if it's a backup quarterback, either way, if they can take the run game away and make them beat, you know, I just talked about Marvin Mims being great, but nonetheless, make them uh, beat them through the air, then I think Texas will feel good about that game plan, right? Making OU one dimensional, uh, taking probably their most consistent weapon, the running game out, would be a huge win for this Texas defense because, again, their passing game, though Gabriel doesn't turn it over a lot, uh, you know. Bevel has in small sample sizes. He's taken some sacks, held the ball too long. Um, so it, it does give us, I think, the best chance to have a little chaos in the defense. And Sark talked in his presser about how there's been a couple fumbles we haven't gotten in the past few weeks. There's a couple interceptions in the West Virginia game that bounced off people's fingers. Um, and so you just hope that uh, a little chaos from our defense would be nice to, to, to shake things up and really get this uh, this OU offense kind of off schedule. I mean, the good thing about this game plan is that it's the same game plan you played against West Virginia, right? You got to, you got to live rep it against another team, clamp down on the run, keep them uh, inside the tackles, make them play in a, uh, make them play the run game in a phone booth and get down on them the pendulum swings to the defensive advantage when any quarterback dylan gabriel or the booty man or uh, davis bevel are the guy who you're putting it on their uh on their arm like that's that's something that is an advantage for texas now if that does become the case texas uh does need to do a better job of converting on some of the pressures that they've gotten you know texas uh is great at pressuring not great at converting that being said uh four of the five quarterbacks they've played excel at evading and eluding pressure now i said maybe three of the three of the five because donovan smith doesn't really elude pressure texas just couldn't figure out what the heck to do in that game but that's another conversation for another day but the texas defense squaring off against the ou offense it feels less scary than it has in previous years and i'm probably gonna end up coming back and eating those words on saturday yeah i mean the the one thing i i'll, I'll close with to say is that ou converts on third downs at about a 38 percent 39 percent rate 26 for 67 they're five for 10 on third downs um where texas has had issues was on money downs even going back to the alabama game with some some bryce young scrambles on key third downs um you know extending <laughs> things and, and ultimately hurting them right so ou doesn't have a history of that west virginia did texas did pretty well um shutting the first one down and hopefully we'll keep that going i will say it's about time we talk about because i was on the phone with good friend of the podcast even though he's he's uh the other rival aggie mario uh and and you know kind of the general consensus from someone who's not really in-depth close watching texas is oh well you have the opposite problem the aggies your defense isn't you know it isn't there you just need to get a couple stops a game and your offense gets there it's about time we give Texas defense a little bit of credit. So I'm just going to read off some national rankings for this defense as it stands right now. Yards per play, 17th. Yards per rush, 25th. Yards per completion, 4th. Uh, points per game, 25th. Yards per game, 48th. Opponent passer rating, 35th. Beta rank um, has Texas as the number four defense in the country. That feels strong to me. Like, I would like to, uh, if you said we were number 15, I would feel okay with that. Four feels strong, but I'm not going to sit here and say the numbers are absolutely wrong but it, it is time that you give a little 
and, and again, eat our words if we have to, but a little bit of credit, um, especially in the home games, to what Texas' defense has been able to muster up. Um, they, they have, they've, like Gerald said, had pressures, got a couple home. They have allowed a lot of completions. They're 110th in opponent completion percentage, but they have a, you're not going to bust uh, over the top. We aren't going to give up the big play mentality, and obviously it has worked relatively well if you just look at those stats I just listed out. I'm an FEI guy. It's a overall efficiency, like opponent adjusted metric. Texas is 10th in offense and 22nd in defense, right? And like, it feels weird to be thumping your chest about Texas being 22nd in defense. But if you look at, I don't know, let's just say last year, right? Uh, Texas was 52nd. So 30, 30 spots better than they were a year ago. And again, that's a big deal. We said it before. We said it before the season in our previews. The defense doesn't have to be world beaters. They just don't have to suck. Like, just don't suck, and, and the offense will win you games. And they're doing that. Now, the offense needs and has an opportunity to become more consistent, uh, but the defense has been getting it done. Again, same when you look at, like, yards per play. Texas is sitting at number, like, 17 in defensive yards per play. They're seventh offensively. So, like, it is getting there, right? And Mm -hmm. you and I talked about this before the show, but, like, most of the the advanced statistical models, and I can't really, like, buy into this fully, but has Texas as a really good team that has a really weird outlier loss, right? And, like, that is the hard part for me to to stomach is, like, that Texas Tech loss literally breaks all of the models so much so that, like, SP plus basically ignores it. Like that's how weird an outlier that game was is that S and P plus basically just says, Nope, we don't consider that one because it's such a weird outlier. Teams don't go for it nine times and convert six of them. Right? Like those things that the two, when you get into the single digits of of a post game win expectancy, Mm -hmm. like that is how much of an outlier these things are. So, that's a, lo- a longer conversation than I wanted to have here, but like, this is a good team that just needs to really figure out how to put it all together. And one more, Terry, don't let your Sooner friends, your Aggie friends, your anything friends, if they're doing this, they're not your friends, talk down the UTSA um, win. Oh, it's just UTSA or UTSA, whichever way they go, is not the team it was last year. Frank Harris is second in the nation in passing yards this season. He's he's you know top ten in total offense. He's only one game this year. Has he not had at least 389 yards of offense and three touchdowns? And that was Texas. He had 260 and zero, right? This defense, um, though, it can be frustrating at times, and there can be, um, you know, you, you see where that next step is right there for them, right? Like, they they could make that little little leap, and you, you want that for them, but th- this is not... Uh, in any way, we won't put too fine of a point on it, a bad defense right now. They had a bad game against Tech in an inability and a specific thing to not get off the field, right? If Tech punts four or five of those nine, uh, you're talking about a different game. You just are, and that's fine. It, it is what it is. It's fine. Um, but, you know, when you're not facing 100 plays from the opponent, uh, this is a this is a good defense, and it's okay to believe that. I know it hurts. I know it's scary, but it's okay to believe that. Now, again, the caveat is no one is good. No one is bad in uh, this Red River game. Everyone is just knives and, uh, and the purge. There are no laws. Everything goes. There are no laws of averages or laws of the land. It's played in a vacuum, and that vacuum is full of knives and gunpowder. <laughs> that's what this game is. So flipping to the OU defense, and again, we may eat these words next week, but of all of the offseason talking points, the 
OU defense is going to be better with Venables playing uh, or Venables coaching. It has not been the case. They might be better with Venables playing at this point, Gerald. It can't can't really be worse. They might be better with Venables playing defensive end Uh, because the last two weeks they have gotten roasted. Guys named Max from Iowa should not be (laughs) outrunning your entire defense, right? Um Taylor Martinez just kind of put you on his knee and sunned you the entire time. Like that was not a, there was nothing about that that should have happened. Right. Nothing about that. Should, but anywho, the OU defense sucked in those last two games. I won't say it sucks. Big ass sucks, but they sucked in those last couple of games and it, it, it doesn't bode well for this weekend. But then again, this game is played in a vacuum and that vacuum's full of knives. Uh, uh, Gerald, we, we know that OU is 94th. In total yards, right, given up. Again, total yards, tough stat. We, we use more advanced metrics, but I like this one, so go with me. They're just under 500 at 493 per. But that's not fair. As Gerald said, we got to zoom in a little, right? They, there's only been two conference games. So if you just take the last three. So one, you know, powder puff, out of conference game, and two conference games. If you take those two games, Gerald, where do you think, a uh, little trivia here, where do you think, OU ranks over the last three games in just pure yards given up. So they're 90, 94th uh, overall. I would probably say, like, got to be like in the 100 teens somewhere. So there are 131 eligible uh, teams here, right? Ohio is the worst. Colorado, you know how bad they've been this year. Charlotte, what a come down. They, they were a G5 darling. They are not this year. Nebraska, good old Nebraska. That's it. That's the list of four teams who have given up more yards. They are fifth from the bottom. 127th uh, is where Oklahoma sits over the last three games. Again, Big 12 plus their last powder puff non-conference game. They are... It's it's crazy. It's, it's honestly, if you like take out the UTEP and... Uh, in Kent State game, right? They, their their defense is much worse. They they really really benefited from that to get all the way up to ninety fourth. Um, their defense is it, it it reminds me of something I've seen in the past. They're twenty missed tackles against TCU, which is my favorite thing. Was someone tweeted that, and all the replies from OU fans were which play? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've been there, guys. OU fans, I know you're listening to this. Uh, I've been there. It has been Texas teams in the past. CeeDee Lamb once had that on one catch against the Texas defense. I've seen, and, and, and it honestly looked the I same. It. I have seen it, and it and it looked very familiar. It, it was a, a, a skin, you know, uh, goosebump-inducing, full-body full body shuddering memory unlocked of watching the Texas defense just not be able to tackle. Gerald talked about team speed not being there, and that is absolutely a part of it. That's why they keep giving up long plays, these breakaways where no one can catch them down. But it's also just straight-up bad tackling. There was a uh, a third and, and two, I believe, that someone screenshot uh, where OU was uh, in a three-man front with linebackers drop and and two high safety and cornerbacks back. Everyone, like, basically nine yards, and TCU just took a real casual eight and, con- and converted the third down. That was one of their shorter runs of the day. Um, but, you know, that, that showed you just they were so scared of getting beat. They didn't think the first guy was going to tackle, so they stacked levels, uh, didn't even worry about the third down, just trying not to give up the home run. So, um, again, one game does not a season make. They can make adjustments. Maybe they played possum like Gary Patterson used to do the week before he played Texas, um, but it looked like there were some systemic things that were just frankly broken in that OU defense and that's even as bad as they've been that's not necessarily the case you know Texas 
usually would out uh, comedy of errors them in years past when our defense really wasn't great when we were having you know shootouts in the 60s and 50s with each team just waiting to play offense again um, and and it certainly looks like OU is is every bit as bad as as years past and and honestly right now just point in time zoom zoom in looking at that maybe worse yeah it's it's hard to imagine and again part of it's like the schadenfreude of like OU fans being so vehement that this is going to be an upgrade over an Alex Grinch defense. And meanwhile, Alex Grinch is out in California uh, leading the nation in like turnover luck and things like that, where that speed defense actually looks like speed D and it may be something to be said about how bad the Pac-12 is. But overall, like... The passing, de- the passing defense given up almost six and a half uh, yards per attempt, 10.4 yards per completion. They're giving up, and we talked about the explosivity, 1.4 points per successful pass, which is a lot of points. A ton of points per successful completed pass is massive. On the ground, four and a half per rush, three and a half line yards per rush, 1.3 second level yards per rush. These are all big deals. And again, the matchup that I'm watching, I think, is... Texas's ability to block the run versus OU's interior line. That is going to be a differentiator for Texas in this game because if they can get that going, there's, I, and again, I hate being confident about this, but based on what we've seen in the last two weeks, if Texas can get the interior of the offensive line sorted out and give Bijan three and a half yards per rush to work with so he doesn't have to break tackles in the backfield, I, I just don't see Oh, you having a way to stop him based on what we've seen. It's not saying that they won't, because again, game is played in the vacuum, vacuums full of knives. But <laughs> based on what we've seen, two weeks, three weeks out, OU doesn't have a response for the ground game as much as they should and they've had in the past. Look, you have to look at that Texas offensive line, though. Again, we talked about this in our, our recap where um, in the same we referenced on the, the defense, you can't give up the big play. The offense, you got to be better at pass blocking. And, and I joked, they, they spent all their XP points uh, basically improving those. And you've seen a little bit of an erosion of some other things. Um, and maybe that's just the natural trade-off. But, I mean, the, the the fact that effectively the offensive line and run blocking, and again, there's one giant senior injury at left guard-sized hole, right, that, that you can't ignore in, in uh, Junior Angelo and how much he would make a difference. But um, when you look at Michigan, for instance, right, they, they have Blake Corum up there putting up crazy numbers. They haven't played anyone yet, surely. But, um, well, I guess they, they played a decent uh, here as they got in conference. But they're out of conference, terrible. Conference so far, not great opponents. Um, their line basically PFF grades out between 70, 73.4, 71.3, 71.2, 70.9. Their worst is 60.8. Texas is best is actually Christian Jones at 59.1. Worst is Hayden Connor at 41.4. None of Texas's players are in the 60s. 59, 58, 56, 50, 41. It's... It's it's the Barry Sanders argument, and I hate that. I really do hate that, but you know, they also PFF graded, and Texas is last in the conference in run blocking, but first in the conference in running game, right? Like, they are grading out their running game as first, despite them being last in blocking. It is 100% on the running backs. You have to give Bijan Roshan uh, the credit there. Um, one of the ways Texas, you know, when they said, hey, we have trouble with pass blocking, you saw them scheme against Alabama as they brought uh, Carrick in as a tight end. They, they moved Sanders uh, in, in, in as like a second chipping back, basically, and, and rolled quarterbacks and did whatever they could. 
what, what do we have in the running game to help with that? You saw the beefy set uh, on the goal line, which, Gerald, what are we nicknaming that when they brought in uh, two of the, the biggest humans and defensive tackles on the team in Byron Murphy and, and Keandre Coburn? What, what are we nicknaming the uh, that set? I've been workshopping a couple, and I don't – I don't the like. I want to go with maybe the snacks cart or something mm, like that, mm. um, but it doesn't. It doesn't give Byron Murphy as much shine as he should get in that. So I'm still workshopping it. But if it was just Keandre Coburn, snacks cart is probably the way to go. Yeah, um, yeah. I, so. I I like Beefo. Um, you know, a play on Bevo and the original uh, naming of him. So so Beefo as the set. But it, it does need work. Tweet at us at Longhorn Pod with your best names for the jumbo uh, set. There's not Gerald Knight's best work, right? We we, uh, we we probably need need to spend a night or two on this. But but hit us up with your best. But nonetheless, they've tried to do that to help. But it is truly the weak point. If there ever was a a remedy for that, it could likely be. This OU rushing defense, which again they're 192, uh, 198.2 per game, is 119th in the country. Gerald talked about what they're giving up in line rush yards. Gerald talked about what they're giving up in set, second level yards, low stuff rate. This could really make Texas's offensive line feel better, and that confidence could lead to a better second half of the season from them. Um, they might throw the ball a lot, but against this, this, and, and they are susceptible certainly to the big play that Xavier Worthy is is perfectly made for. But this is also a team that is ready-made for Bijan Roshan to get, you know, 20 and 12 carries each, respectively, um, and let that count for, you know, 340 yards, right? Like, I'm, I'm not predicting that for sure, but it's that type of game. Like, it, it could be, and it should be. I think that the, it, Texas just has to has to muscle up. They have to be able to push somebody around in the run game. And, and again, if, if ever a, an opponent offered themselves, you wouldn't necessarily think OU because there is talent in that interior line. Again, the same way there was talent in Texas's last year, supposedly, and teams ran all over us. It does feel a lot like they are in that weird vortex where, you know, you have the talent, you have the guy in there, he's just not making the play. He's getting pushed around. They can't have a second level to contain an, a, a seven-yard run, and it turns into a 40-yard run, and it's a heartbreaker. Um, I hate it for him. Hate it. Poor guys. Uh, but, yeah, Texas, I, I hope, leans, right? Like, I hope... If it's passed in the first half and get up big and run a little bit, I hope they have a second half and they have a, a lead where they can lean on them and they can just assert themselves and really just, you know, push some Sooners in the dirt. Like, I think that would be on top of the emotional win that would be fantastic, taking the golden hat back where it belongs to Austin. Also, dominating that, that OU front would, I think, do a lot for the confidence of Texas's offensive line. And this is where my lament that DJ Campbell was a fall enrollee rather than a spring enrollee comes into play because Hayden Connor leveled up in the spring in the spring where DJ Campbell didn't have the opportunity to, right? Like DJ Campbell wanted to finish out high school. And that's totally fine. Like no knock on the kid, but you see a guy like Kelvin Banks who comes in and is a ready-made five-star where you've got a guy like DJ Campbell who needs to adjust specifically to the passing game. His offense did not do in high school, did not do a lot to um, equip him for college passing game. And that's not the, not the high school offensive line coach's job. That guy's job is to play the offense and win football games. Right. But like, imagine if DJ Campbell five-star NFL caliber top 10 recruit in the country is six months ahead of where he is now. Right. And, and that's an opportunity for Texas um, that obviously, you know, you, you wish in one hand, spit in the other, see which one fills up first. But like that's part of where like the the margin could be interesting. And I wonder when we start seeing DJ Campbell playing. And, and this is not a shot at Hayden Connor. Hayden Connor earned his PT, earned his shine, earned his opportunities. But like 
what when is that when are they going to release and unleash this young kid uh, just get him some reps on the field consistently i want to see dj campbell out there um and, and maybe maybe i don't maybe maybe there's a reason why they're not but um i'm curious to see what the interior of that line looks like and when we see the young kid i called ou preseason for both him and uh kelvin banks kelvin banks was a day one starter come to find out but uh, hopefully we see dj campbell sooner rather than later because i just want to see what that kid uh, has in the tank that's your last time you're allowed to say sooner and not be pejorative about it. So special teams real quick. We'll hit it. Uh, Sark called OU the best special teams unit they're going to face all year. Um, net punting of almost 42 yards, 41.9 yards, five of six field goals, 82% of their kickoffs go for touchbacks. They actually um, average starting field position of the 24 yard line. So a big uh, advantage there. Punt return average of about 15 yards. So they're great covering as well. And maybe that's part of the improvement that they saw in Brent Venables. Uh, maybe that's all the uh, Smitty offseason workouts they've been bragging about is uh, on the special teams unit. Yeah, I mean, it, look, Texas has had one onside kick recovered uh, against UTSA, one really dastardly one that that should have been recovered against West Virginia kind of in garbage time. Um, so, so just, you know, you know OU is going to try something. So be, be on the lookout for that. Um, Texas has been great at kickoff return coverage and and so far this year teams haven't really had a chance uh to return punts but if OU you know I feel like this is a game where they're gonna want something extra right on paper Texas offense is better than than OU's defense Texas defense is as good or better than OU's offense so this is where they will feel they need to try something to win and so again Sark is obviously taking them very seriously um I I I hope the whole team is I hope that you know this isn't one of those crazy games usually this it feels like the special teams in in this history that have benefited Texas more of the big special team plays that come to mind at least for me have been Texas ones um maybe I'm forgetting some 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 hurt uh but you know again I just if if all things are equal, and special teams, you know, is is a push. I, I feel like this is this is Texas's game. Um, so I just more than anything don't want special teams to be the thing that finagles. Right? Think think to like a Dave Aranda or sometimes Matt Campbell have had games that they lost all the phases except special teams and somehow pulled out. Well, not I guess not Matt, Matt Campbell. He's the other way. He's won all the game, all the phases and lost on special teams. Um, but you know, it it can flip a game, and so I hope that. Texas is, is going to be the benefactor of that. If you win all three phases, even better. Let Worthy pop one on the special teams. That'd be fun, whatever. But um, I think Texas, you know, good with, with Burt Auburn, uh, the machete, Mr. Trejo has been solid, if not spectacular. We're used to the big Aussie boomers, but just solid. Um, and I'll take that right now, right? So just solid everywhere around. And of course, our coverage has been elite. So if we can win this phase of the game too, I'm just, let's not give up any onside kicks. Let's not give up any busted big returns. So really quickly, Kyle, um, something that we, we we haven't done before, but I think is a good addition here, uh, is let's let's talk about the fair food for just a second. And uh, whoever gets the number one pick is going to take Fletcher's corny dog. So I feel like we need to like flip a coin to see who who, who gets that right. Um, is there is there like a coin flip app we can use or something? I don't actually have a coin. Since um, podcasting is a visual medium, we could rock paper scissors. People love the <laughs> uh, the visuals of of that. But yes, we could do a digital coin flip. Digital coin flip again podcasting is, a, is an audio medium where you can hear me googling this right now all right gerald get a, flip get a louder keyboard kyle flip simu.com i'm going to give it a test flip um just to make sure that's right it flips it does actually flip this would be great audio great visual honestly all right gerald um would you like to call it tails all right we are flipping 
I can screen share if you don't believe me. It it's is. Fine. It is heads. It is heads. I will take a screenshot. I will send it to you. I promise. I, Kyle, <laughs> after this long of friendship, if 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 you can, if I can trust you on that, uh, there's there's a lot. That's a good point. All right, so then let's let's start it off. This was a big one because whoever goes first, while every year there's something crazy, there is one thing that is always there for you. When you go to the Texas State Fair, I actually asked my wife, who had never been but has now been twice in the past few years, I said, What's your number one pick? And, you know, she thought and she thought, and We've had this and with that. And she's like, Oh, it's a Fletcher's Corny Dog. And that is the right answer. And I know that would have been Gerald's number one. And I actually am not a person who likes a corn dog. Like, I don't go for a corn dog typically, it's just not my favorite food. But for whatever reason, the Fletcher's Corny Dog with a mustard on it is unbeatable. It is truly, it can't be just their generic. There are other knockoff corny dogs. Do not do it. Get a Fletcher's. Get the big the big guy. Put that mustard. Let the sun bake down on you. Maybe wash it down with a wax cup of beer. It's heaven. So mine is going to be a little off the beaten path, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to justify it for you, Kyle, because obviously like with Fletcher's off of the table, like you could go for a classic. You could go for a lot of these. But one of the new foods this year, Kyle, that I'm gonna go for is the chicharron explosion nachos. <laughs> I saw those when I was looking at it. I it's, I love it. It was a, it was it was a runner up for the best taste savory for the new editions this year. And not only like is it fun to say chicharron, but like <laughs> it's it's nachos. It's got fajita meat. It's got jalapenos. If you're doing the low carb thing, subbing out. Um, the tortilla chips for pork rinds is a massive win as far as carb counting goes. Uh, so, like, big, big fan of that. Uh, they've got both fajita meat and uh, barbecue chopped beef on it. So, like, mm. I don't know what else you need. But, like, if you get that, um, that's, like, feels like more like a post-game snack than a pre-game snack because you don't want the itis to hit you, like, six minutes into the game when the sun's been baking down on you. No, it hits all the food. It hits all the major food groups. It has fajita beef. It has barbecue beef. And it has the skin fried of uh swine so it hits all the uh, all the major food groups i love it um <laughs> this year's uh this year's actual winner of um i can't speak to this because i haven't had it uh but actual winner uh well i don't know i'll, I'll save it in case you in case you, you you're picking later i will say um i have a secret one that i didn't put in here just in case uh you, you went after it gerald and i'm going with my number two pick it is you'll hear one of the words and think oh it's sweet but you'll hear the other and say it's savory and you're right it is both uh, mostly savory honestly but it is delicious it is of course the tamale donut i first had this back in the you know a few years ago 2017 range um and i've had it at least once um maybe twice even since then and it hits it's over near the wine garden you have a little glass of wine feel classy um you know tamale donut it's a basically tamale they put in the ring shape top with a nice little kind of uh like jalapeno crema um it's 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 not too greasy but it's got enough grease it's it's just it's delicious i mean it really um is a sleeper and i and i feel bad giving away these secrets because i don't want to go uh and, and have my my booth over overrun but uh yeah go get yourself a tamale donut I like it. That sounds good. So I I went I went new school with the uh, with my opener. So this I, I'm actually I'm, I've got a strategy here. So that was my main for my side. <laughs> I'm going classic. Think if if I'm going to any fair, right? The Texas State Fair. I, I went to the Oklahoma Fair when I, when I live in Oklahoma. Um, roasted corn, ten out of ten. Ooh, like, always love, love roasted corn from the fair. Put all of the seasonings on it. Give me the garlic. Give me the chili powder. Mm. Give me a little bit of uh, cayenne on there. Like. 
like do it all like that is just nothing it, roasted corn from the fair it just feels incredible elite elote um yes uh by the way i promised friend of the podcast john brady that i would give him a shout out he did introduce me to the tamale donut and actually talked to me about the tamale donut this week so he does get uh double credit there all right Glad so gerald keeping your promises kyle i tried it gerald i hope that that adorable kid with the viral corn video hasn't spiked the price of corn um where it's double now but i would understand um all right so this one i had a couple like deep fried something and i have a feeling you might be going here uh following you you revealed your hand of where you're going so i'm jumping out in front of it with my third pick for a little dessert option here and in this one might surprise people because there's some classics but last year i had it and and loved it thought it was like way better than i expected my wife ordered it and i was like okay fine sounds boring um the deep fried pb and j is one of if not the best deep fried something dessert that i've had at the fair really really incredible obviously do the funnel cake style with a little uh, powdered sugar on top you just get some kind of you get a little peanut butter in it in one bite you get that sweetness of the jelly like a donut um it's good it's very very good that sounds really good and so my i'm going new school as well for my for my dessert this one feels quintessentially like texas and especially san antonio and south texas where you and i are from one of the finalists for the sweets was the cha-cha-chata um, it's a it's a horchata milkshake, um, and it's got like a rimmed glass. It's got different kinds of ice cream. It's got a deep fried arroz con leche in mm. it, <laughs> and mm. like it's just it speaks to all of like the things that I love and miss and appreciate about San Antonio and South Texas and good Mexican food. There's a Mexican spot around the corner from my house that like the horchata is banging. It's all mm. you get like tacos and horchata and like ruin myself for the day. <laughs> um, but like I, it, you tell me horchata and I'm in. So like that is my that is my third pick. Ooh, that's a good pick, man. I'm a big horchata guy. There's a uh, place in Houston that does what's called an ice mulatto. It is a uh, two shots of espresso over uh, in horchata and. It it is sinful. Um, so freaking good. And go to El Rey if you're in Houston, pick it up. All right. If we missed your favorite, tweet it at us. I know the fried charcuterie board is, is a hot pick this year. I think it won the best new. So try it. Let us know if we it's didn't too say French for me. <laughs> if we didn't say turkey leg and you're mad about it, tweet at us. Let us know. What did we forget? Hit us up at Longhorn Pod. We did our food draft, but now we've got to do our uh, Podstradamus picks, Kyle. What What is your first Podstradamus pick? for the Red River Rivalry Shootout Showdown. Gerald, something's got to give in this game, right? The uh, the time of possession coming into this one, UT has been known to basically get out time of possession, both in wins and losses. The other team just controls the ball. Blame it on efficiency of UT's offense scoring real quick. But OU has even less time of possession. UT at 26 minutes so far through the year, OU at 25. Uh, so someone has to win the time of possession. There's no third team to come in and eat up those extra minutes. Um, I think I'm going to take that knowledge, and I'm going to say, though Texas has been wildly efficient and OU gives up a big play, I'm excited to see like Texas killing the game out against West Virginia. They didn't get points. It wasn't flashy, but they drove down, took their time, ran the ball well. Bijan ran hard. I am going to say Texas will have a four-and-a-half-minute touchdown drive or greater four-and-a-half minutes, which is not how Texas has scored a bunch this year. They've had a couple big plays. I think last week, 13 chunk plays that's runs over 10 passes over 15 for 300 yards so i'm going against the recent trend but i i see this i see texas maybe it's in the second half killing it out whatever it is they're gonna have a four and a half minute touchdown drive okay i'll i'll allow it so my offensive pod pick goes 
in the exact opposite direction of what you did. I think Texas uh, is going to have at least, I'm just going to say Texas will have an explosive touchdown run. So a touchdown run of 25 or more yards in this game will occur. From Texas. Okay. From, yes, from Texas. Yeah. <laughs> Texas just, will have. Just making sure we have a caveat there. Okay. Yes. All right. All right. I like it. Um, maybe four and a half minutes, get to the 25, run it in, we both win. Um, no, I, I like both of those to happen. I want one to be in the first half, one to be in the second half. We're having a complete game. And that's why I'm going to go in the other side of the ball with my next pick, talking about complete games. If you look at the recent history going back, uh, you know, to uh, like just let's do the past four years when Texas last won um, a few years ago. In that one, uh, they gave up 532. Uh, the next year, uh, they gave up uh, 511. Uh, in the following year, it went to overtimes galore, but they still gave up only 469. They were actually under 500. Um, and then last year, 662. I think Texas defense has something to prove. I do not think they're going to give up 500. I'm even going to go further and say the last time um, it took overtimes to get there, but they, they gave up 469 was their low. So I'm going to go all the way down to 445 yards. So if they hit 450, I lose 445 yards or less from the Texas defense. I think, you know, OU still, it's a rivalry game, is going to make some plays, but Texas is going to keep things in front of them, and they're not going to let them get more than 445 breaking the trend okay i like it i like it so my defensive and this is this is going to be a big swing but i'm going to do it so ou is averaging 2.4 sacks allowed per game i'm going to say i'm going to set the line at two and a half texas will go over two and a half sacks in this game i like it so over two and a half sacks. Basically um, three sacks in this yeah, no, game. No, I, I like it. I like the way you're Vegasing it. So uh, over two and a half. It's recorded. Uh, Gerald, I, I like all I like all of these. I like this to be a, a, a classic. Texas wins on the field. We both win on the Padres Four for four. I believe the score is currently tied uh, with two caveat points uh, <laughs> in my back pocket. But currently... Tied? That's good. We'll just just keep trugging along. We'll, we'll, we'll each get one to two a week and, and keep winning. So we'll be back on Saturday following the game for our post-game live stream reaction. And then we'll be back on Tuesday with our full breakdown. Thank you so much for being a part of that. We'll love to see you then. All right, Gerald, on this week when all things in the world are burnt orange, let's take a look at uh, a bit that happened recently through burnt orange lenses. J.T. Sanders, our guy Jatavian Named the John Mackey Award tight end of the week. Gerald, are we officially declaring the curse of Jermichael Finley to be broken? We created it on this podcast. We named it. Do we have responsibility for killing it? Is it dead? I feel I feel, I feel like it, yeah. I feel like we can officially put a nail in that coffin. Uh, let's take a, a quick look. Quick look around the nation. Um, it's some games this, this past week that are relevant to UT. Obviously, we, we talked at length about TCU blowing out OU 55-24, to but it always helps to, to say it one more time. Um, Oklahoma State won their first test of the year. We said on this podcast we don't have enough data points to say if they're good. 36-25 over Baylor. Um, depending who you talk to, that score could have flattered one team or the other, but clearly OSU was a bit better, you know, was the better team and might just right now be the class of, of the big 12. Um, Kansas state beat tech 37, 28. I think we all predicted tech to have that letdown game. So they thought it'd be a little bit bigger. And then Kansas beats Iowa state 14, 11 with a bunch of missed field goals, just utter 
joy to watch that uh, that fan base have to have to lose to Kansas after being tweeted at 300 times specifically by Iowa State fans about Texas losing to Kansas. Any thoughts on the Big 12? I don't know if there's actually a good team in the Big 12 this year. I really don't know. Like, like I think TCU and KU is going to bear something out on Saturday. We'll find that out. But, like, TCU may be a good team. OSU might be a good team. I think Baylor's probably a good team, but a good team that lost all of their skill talent from a year ago. I, I still don't know if Kansas State has played somebody with a pulse. I'm just going to go and say it. So, like, we'll find that out soon. I just the, Crabs in a barrel, you've been calling it. Continued craziness will ensue. Yeah, I'm still waiting to TCU's the one to me that I, I don't buy the hype. But again, maybe I'm I'm putting too much in preseason. Um, but hey, Kansas is undefeated, so throw those numbers out. SEC, our new conference, um, which apparently no Big Twelve fans are allowed to watch this one, according to Twitter trolls, um, or other Big Twelve teams are allowed to watch our game. Um, so uh, go watch SEC games instead. Uh, our new conference uh, that will matter after we win this one. Mississippi State dominated Jimbo, forty-two twenty-four. It was a perfect day of football. We talked about OU losing in a blowout, A&M losing decidedly, uh, Mike Leach getting the best of Jimbo in the battle of, quote, offensive geniuses and, quote, quarterback whispers. I don't know if Leach is a whisper. He's a man who makes his quarterbacks better. Jimbo's a man who makes his quarterbacks worse. But that was maybe my favorite outcome. Uh, while we were playing, a lot of people were, were watching Counter Program when Georgia just eked one out against Mizzou, 26-22. They had to win 14 14- three in the fourth quarter in that one. And then Bryce Young went down uh, in a relevant game where uh, Bama beat Arkansas. Uh, it was a close game. Jalen Milrow, if a name fans will remember, sprang for a 77-yard run on third and 15 uh, to basically win that game, right? They went on and did more things after that. Um, but that's when it was really close. And it was, you know, imagine he doesn't get that and they punt. It could be a whole different thing, especially since they fumbled the last punt. Um, but Bama won 49-26, ultimately covered the spread without Young. Um what do you think about the SEC slate and, and specifically our guy Milrow? I'm still salty that offensive coordinator that was in Austin for like six months allegedly ran this kid off. That's either here nor there. I, it was good to see. I, I want nothing but good things for Jalen Milrow. Jalen Milrow was an absolute ambassador for the university on levels that like he kind of was the trendsetter on being like the vocal, like the vocal recruit and the vocal recruit like for Texas. He was like the first one that I think we all really rallied behind. So like, I love that kid and I want to see him win like wherever I, I say wherever, like I honestly don't want to see him win at Bama. I'd love to see him win it anywhere else. But uh, if it's got to be at Bama, then it's going to be at Bama. Um, we knew Mississippi State was going to happen. Jimbo refuses to modernize or do anything or give up the reins, and there's no reason for him to, right? He has 95 million reasons not to, um, and that's fine. Keep it up. Hold the reins on it. This is going to fall apart just as quickly as it did uh, in um, in Florida, and maybe he'll scamper off to West Virginia because he hasn't closed that door completely. So, like, it's, it's fine. Like, West Virginia fans would so gladly shill out, like, they don't have quite the funds. Let's call it thirty million for three years. Like they don't need much. Like just give us three years of hope. Uh, man, that's that's sad, Joe. I, I don't hate the West Virginia fans. They were very I nice. I love West Virginia fans. They were very nice after we were very nice about their injury uh, to CJ Donaldson. And, and I've never hated West Virginia fans. So I hope they don't get Jimbo. They're better than that. They deserve better. Maybe better than Neil Brown and Neil Brown. Maybe better than Jimbo. No, I'm not going to say that. Um, <laughs> let's just look at some relevant ones. Uh, UTSA, whoops, Middle Tennessee State, 45-30, I think, in the uh, spreads of, of 
uh, beat that tail. They were the second uh, per stats award stats, second highest according to the uh, the, the EPA, uh, like most decisive win. Texas, uh, I think was I think was third, um, but whooped Middle Tennessee State. If you remember, whooped Miami. So I believe it depends how far you extend the transitive property. Um, does that mean we have a win over a And M? We beat UTSA badly. Who beat Middle Tennessee badly? Who beat? Miami, who pretty much lost an even matchup with AM. Yeah, I feel like we'd have to look at like point values and point differentials to really mm. suss it out, but I think we can we can put a definitive number on how much better Texas is than, than Texas AM at this point. I love it. I love it. ULM fell to Arky State. I am I am rooting for ULM. I want them to do well. Pitt, because uh, we, we love watching that offense without Brennan Marion. Yuck. Uh, they just decided <laughs> like we were too good at offense. Get rid of that. And um, yeah, they they lost to Georgia Tech, who had an interim coach and fired their their coach already. That's a that's not a good one. And speaking of coaches getting fired, freaking Burt Bielema goes to uh, <laughs> get Wisconsin coach fired because that man loves a grudge. The the whole Pat Narduzzi thing, I've never hated a coach that I had no reason to hate yeah. more than Pat Narduzzi. Yeah. Just because like it, it is the most like coach brain idiotic thing I have ever seen. He wanted to you have the top offense in the country. You've got a Bolitnikov award winner. Kenny Pickett got drafted off of that year, and you, being the idiot you are, blew up the offense because you wanted to run the ball more. Well, enjoy it, Pat. You're getting run here in a year or two, buddy. Hey, maybe Brendan uh, Marion will go back, and that'll be his head coaching job. Ca- caveat, right? His idiocy got Texas Brendan Marion, uh, so like I'm fine with that part of it. But like Brendan Marion was a ready-made offensive coordinator there for you, who runs shockingly enough a run-heavy offensive system. Hey, just uh, th- and there's a whole other conversation about maybe why Pat Narduzzi didn't want to float it to uh, Brendan Marion, but we'll leave that for another day. We will leave that, Jared. Let's take a look at the next level, the NFL. Horns, uh, who was your vote for Horn of the Week? It is tough competition. Like, I'm a big TQ fan myself. I'm always going to give it to the big guys. Five tackles. The Browns' offensive line is okay. Um, And he was big on a goal line stand, was, like, defended a screen pass really well there. uh, Highest-rated second-year defensive lineman from from Pro Football Focus. Like, he's having a really good year in a year that I think – uh, he deserves to have. He played really out of position at Texas, and so I didn't think we get to see uh, uh, the heights that TQ could hit because he played out of position for so many years. And so I'm glad to see him thriving. I love that. Uh, just, just do yourself a favor and Google take one Gra- or uh, put take on Grant's name in a Twitter search. Like every Falcon fan, basically. So he had a good game last week and was like, "This guy might be something." And then he had five tackles, but at the way a defensive tackle does, right? The way that that means he actually blew up twenty five different plays. Uh, he had a goal line stand where he had two tackles um, and a quarterback pressure on it. Like he made a goal line stand himself. Um, he he. There was a screen pass, like Gerald said, where literally, like, he chased down a running back, stood next to him, and the quarterback was like, wait a minute, you can't do that, and had to, like, scramble off the other way. Just, like, he he dominated the interior of that uh, game, and he has a Pro Bowl defensive tackle on the other side of him, and it was Graham who made the play. So really, really great how much he's progressed. Um, I, ooh, I, I loved Chris Boyd just being so excited. He has one tackle which was one fumble forced and one fumble recovered. And he just acted like he'd won the Super Bowl, which I love. Good for that guy. Um, 
I, I think I might give it to the, the combo 49ers, right? There was uh, two interior, keep it on the defensive line, 49ers. I'm cheating by, by putting them together. Chuck Amena, who had two tackles, a sack that was an 11-yard loss, uh, and uh, one tackle for loss, two QB hurries. Hassan Ridgeway, also on that defensive line, had one tackle, one sack for a loss of eight yards uh, and two quarterback hurries. So Texas getting after that tail uh, at the NFL level on the defensive line. Also had some good defensive back tackle games but uh but yeah let's keep it keep it the big boys and just a, a bit of news for nfl horns i believe this was yesterday maybe today this morning when it broke cameron dicker has signed to the philadelphia eagles 53 man um i'm excited for him i hope dicker can sticker somewhere and uh that's terrible i'm sorry uh can stick somewhere and uh and make a team and and, and they have a potential injury to the kicker so maybe he makes it his and never relents it in news about recruits who are too small to be talking about on this podcast, but uh, two to three star Louisiana obscure high school quarterback breaks uh, some guy's record at his school. I don't know why we're talking. Oh, that's right. It's because of his name. Arch Manning broke some other nepotism, Eli Manning and Peyton Manning records this week. Eli's yardage was 7,268 career yards. Peyton's touchdown was 93. Arch broke all of it. Gerald it's just because of his name, right? He broke those records with his name. He's a he's a five star in name only. It's really what it is. Like he's he's a fino if we want to put we want to put a term for it. Um, like you know, just a cool seventy three hundred yards, uh, and he's still got a few games to play. Um, like the kid's good. Just get over yourself. Like it's fine. Like gra- grasp at straws. You've got other things to worry about. Um. Quit riding this kid's jock. Just if he it. committed anywhere else in the country, every other fan would be absolutely talking about how he's going to be better than Eli and Peyton and Archie combined. But because it's Texas, they cannot. They cannot bring themselves to, so they have to take cheap shots. Uh, men's basketball came out number twelve in a field of sixty-eight uh, preseason top twenty-five. That's uh, that is not the official NCAA's field of sixty-eight. That is a publication, but nonetheless, starting to see those rankings come out. Twelve felt high. I mean, I feel like I feel like top twenty. I, I could see top 15, 12. I like it. I mean, I like that's a sweet sixteen and then some. Um, I like it. We'll, we'll have a basketball preview coming up here because Gerald, we're just a month. We're thirty-two days away. From this season tipping off. I don't know how they measure months in Houston, but months are third. I'm just joking. Like we're right, it's right around the corner. Uh, it's exciting. It's exciting times. We've got a bye week coming up here in a couple weeks. It feels like a ripe spot to toss a basketball preview in on our Thursday slot. So uh, just a little, little content tease for you there. I like it. I like it a lot. Speaking of basketball, five women from or five from the women's basketball team are in preseason Big Twelve honors. Rory Harmon, unanimous selection. Aaliyah Moore, who just dominated, came on in the late part of of last year. Uh, also, first team All Big Twelve. A trio of newcomers. I found this the most interesting. Voters are like, these girls are good. I don't know where to put them. So they put them on the honorable mention, and I feel like at least one of them could jump up by the end of the year. But Shaylee Gonzalez, who came from BYU, the reigning WCC Player of the Year. Sonia Morris, who came, we mentioned, from DePaul, all Big East first team last year. And then Taylor Jones, uh, the big post from Oregon State. All uh, honorable mention, but I could see any one of those three, maybe all of those three, who knows, making their way to a postseason uh, Big 12 team. 
Women's tennis, uh, Peyton Stearns, who we love, just uh, has now gone pro, but is a forever Longhorn, keeps keeps doing things in her young career, winning the ITF 25K Austin singles title, her second career ITF 25K singles championship, first since turning pro and being able to collect that money. Uh, <laughs> we're excited for her. I mean, get paid. Get paid, Peyton. Do it. Enjoy the check. Secure that bag. I will talk about tennis players getting paid in a bit. A little bit of a, a, a teaser down there. Uh, number 23, women's soccer. Uh, Savannah Madden, named Big 12 Keeper of the Week. We mentioned she had a season high nine saves against Baylor. She's been great. And so glad she came back for a super senior year. She's legitimately one of the best in the country. And it's it's paying off for, for Texas. She has uh, Texas has that that uh, unbeaten streak going, and uh, thanks in large part to her uh, her performance between the pipes. Number one volleyball is Madison Skinner and Zoe Fleck earned Big Twelve weekly honors. Love it when Texas takes both. Skinner was the offensive. Fleck was the defensive. Uh, they also, as we're recording this uh, on Wednesday night, have just wrapped up yet another sweep. TCU. We can break it here on the pod. You'll receive this tomorrow but it's news to us they just swept tcu i mean it always feels good texas again i think that ku game was it was a was a scared straight game for them they're on a uh an absolute tear again they've only dropped five sets this year two of those uh came against against kansas so they're absolutely uh just on a tear and, and really getting uh getting their rhythm in the in the meat of conference play Love to see it. Number 19 men's golf finished ahead of five ranked teams, the Ben Hogan Collegiate, and there is a reason that I said it that way. Moving on, number five, women's golf finished sixth ahead of two top 15 teams. Neither was the performance that they wanted uh, in those uh, kind of fall warm-ups for, for the, the meaningful spring play, but gives you something to coach, and hopefully they can each make some steps up because we have Director's Cups to win. And speaking of winning uh, something that not everyone in the country knows about, coolest season for a rookie. He won't win Rookie of the Year, but he will win my award, which is coolest moments in, in, a, in a rookie's season. Cody Clemens. I think he went over 25 to start his MLB career. It was rough. It was admittedly rough. He hit. He's hit like seven home runs this year. Three of them have been off All-Stars. Uh, I just love that he steps up in these weird big moments. He struck out Shohei Otani. That's right. He struck him out as a pitcher and Otani as a batter. Um, but Cody Clemens got his first career Grand Slam in a season that's pretty much over and, and the Tigers are so far from contention that there's probably 3,000 people watch this. But my guy, Cody Clemens, doing his thing, got his first career grand slam to put his team. They were uh, down 4-1. Uh, to one. He stepped up to the plate. They were up 5-4. to four. You'll love to see it. Big ups to Cody Clemens getting it done in the, in the league. He's a guy who deserves that success, and we're, we're, he's worked really hard for it. Um, we're excited to see him uh, have that level of, of uh, winning that he's been doing. All right, Gerald. Speaking of winning, what are you winning uh, at by... uh, You always win this segment. You do great here. Uh, Watching on your giant screen. Let's talk a little Godzilla Tron. Uh, Not a ton of of streaming time for myself right now my wife is uh traveling and so i'm on single dad mode i don't know like people who are full-time single parents kudos to you it's been like i don't know 18 hours or so since my wife left and i'm already like how 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 am i gonna do this for another four days um but uh before she left we did catch the uh latest rings of power and it has been 
there are people there are people that are rightfully were uh, frustrated with some of the earlier episodes one of the issues with a lot of fantasy tv shows is that it takes a while for them to do the world building and then once they get to it um stuff pops off and this most recent episode stuff popped off it was really really cool great battle sequence kind of a twist at the end um one that like if you know the lore you saw coming but because i'm not like a person that has the the attention span to like read the Silmarillion or whatever. I didn't know what was coming. Uh, so it was really cool twist at the end. Um, and I want to say, and this is probably gonna make some people mad, but like there was, there was all sorts of like weird consternation before the show about like um, casting, uh, having uh, more diversity in some of the, the fantasy races. And like, it's hilarious to me that like the two, two of the better performances are from like people of color in the show now at this point. So like, it's just hilarious to see like Disa, the dwarf queen who should have a beard, by the way, like that's my bigger issue. Like, let's not like, let's not take the dwarf women's beards away. Like let's not adhere to these Western beauty standards. Give these women facial hair, do it. We need to see it. Princess Disa needs a beard. I, I love it. I, uh, I'm in, Gerald. I need to see your petition. Give it to me. I'll sign it. I've not watched Rings of Power, but one thing that was very powerful that I watched, that's a segue, uh, was King Richard. I hadn't watched it for whatever reason. It had taken a while, and I finally got to it. Obviously, with the hype of of, um, a slap uh, across Chris Rock's face, this this movie took on a whole other thing, um, which should have been a, a crowning achievement for Smith's acting prowess, which was good. He was, uh, you know, like... With by about the thirtieth minute into the movie, you forget it's Will Smith doing kind of leaning all the way in with an accent, whether it was a perfectly accurate accent or not, and some facial hair, and it's like Will Smith doing a bit. So like, oh, this is the character. Like you really buy into it, and that's credit to him. Um, my wife uh, is an African American woman, and she grew up playing tennis. She had never heard or cared or had any interest in tennis no one in her family had ever played tennis she idolized venus and serena and so she started playing tennis in high school like that was or middle school that was the thing that that you know she watched this movie and cried that was her heroes watching these two young girls the stories of course to just make sure if you haven't seen it about um king richard is is, is richard williams is venus and serena's father he's crazy he's wild he pushed the girls so hard you know he made some controversial decisions there was multiple times that you're like your head's in the right place but you're probably doing the wrong thing but that kind of seems to be um him and like i think his daughters fired him at some point not long after the film ends um and that was great for their careers because they went on to flourish and be amazing but uh, it was kind of cool to to watch a really good movie first of all and then to watch my wife's reaction reaction to it just as um she like processed and went back and like saw these girls in their journey and then thought about her own journey and she's not like a professional tennis player sorry guys uh, i'm not married to a world ranked tennis player i think my wife is even cooler than that but uh she uh, it, it was it was it was fun for me and emotional for me to watch her be emotional and process through like memories feelings nostalgia and like see these portrayed on screen these two women who you know gave her heroes gave her something to like strive for and 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 be and and you know when we talk about serena williams as the greatest of all time it's not just serena williams was the greatest of all time really good tennis player it was serena williams broke through a barrier and then became like undisputedly the greatest of all time so really cool movie like just enjoyed 
every bit of it the acting the 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 story it's kind of the beginning of their lives it's fun didn't show like the the major stuff but it was just it was, it was good it was a good hang um and then the other thing i watched gerald just to go completely opposite direction i finally got to the jackie daytona episode of what we do in the shadows <laughs> and i freaking adored it i watched it once and then made my wife who isn't watching this show with me seen maybe two episodes uh come and watch that episode as well and watched it again uh the way that he says uh you know she, the woman says you're so mysterious and and you know you say you're from tucson but you have talking such a european uh accent he says this is how we talk and Tucson, Arizona, uh, like killed me. Like I had to, to pause it. I was laughing so hard. Like, I don't know. The, it's just a normal hu- uh, human bartender just killed me. Like that was such a great like one-off episode that, you know, I, I believe they don't ever bring him back and they don't need to. It's perfect <laughs> for what it was. The Mark Hamill cameo in that episode also is great. Mark Hamill playing the the reason why he becomes Jackie Daytona from Tucson, Arizona. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned like the impact of Venus and Serena. Like I'm not a tennis watcher, but like my wife and I both stopped what we were doing when she was playing like the final U.S. Open. And like especially unless just like let's just have the conversation. Like being a being a young black kid into sports, like seeing like Tiger and. Serena like winning in in the in the late 90s early 2000s like I was you know I I, I don't want to age myself too much but like I was just starting high school and like coming into my own and like it was just cool seeing it like it it was great seeing that representation and so like um it's it's just awesome movie and and great performance from Will Smith and uh he rightfully won a won an Academy Award for that that's what we've got for you this week Kyle where can the good folks find you on the internet you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Kerbin you can also follow me on Texas pregamer at Texas pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod, Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. Remember, we'll be back Saturday following the game for our post-game live reaction. That'll be uh, live on Twitter and Facebook Live. It'll also be in your podcast feeds on Sunday morning. Thank you so much for tuning in again. And until next time, hook up. Welcome, Gerald. It's 10.05 p.m. And OU, and OU still, still sucks. sucks.